Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. And all right, here we go, everybody. Welcome to episode number 132 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday, March the 5th, 2022. My name is Jeremy Lee. I do want to thank last Saturday's guest, founder of TradeSafe, Steve Foley. We had a great episode check that out on the channel. I also want to thank the chat for joining the discussion we had on After Hours last Saturday and for enjoying my Sidney Crosby insert card collection along with me. Thank you to the Card Ladder team for having Steve and I on the crossover last night and the opportunity to speak to their audience about TradeSafe. We are very excited about the launch of TradeSafe last week. Tomorrow on Collectible Live on the Collectible TV, YouTube channel, my guest, our guest will be none other than former PSA president Joe Orlando, who was recently named president of Collectible. Excited to have him on tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Collectible TV YouTube channel. And next Saturday on this show, our guests are going to be Chris and Josh from Card Ladder to hear all about what they are doing with Card Ladder 2.0 and more. I want to give a shout out to channel supporter Whatnot. Check out their app for group breaks, one minute auctions, and buy it now is by some of the best breakers and live streamers in the hobby. I will be doing my one minute, 60, my 60 second uh, auctions on there soon. Another live stream, I promise it will be happening. Stay tuned for that. Also shout out to the Vancouver show, the Western Canadian Sports Card Convention in Vancouver. That will be April 8th to 10th. Check that out, bossashows.com. Also want to help spread the word about the Sport Card Expo in Edmonton. That will be on April 15th to 17th. And note that the Toronto show will be June 2nd to 5th. Go to sportcardexpo.com for more information. And, of course, the Mint Collective coming up at the end of this month, March 25th to 27th in Las Vegas. 
Also, I want to shout out TradeSafe. As I am involved with TradeSafe, your new risk-free alternative for card trades and buy-sells from any peer-to-peer social media platform or marketplace, we have created a service, a process, and a team that makes remote dealing much safer than ever before. TradeSafeHub.com. There it is right there on the ticker. As always, thank you to all the subscribers, listeners, viewers, podcast listeners. If you're not yet subscribed to this channel, please go ahead, take a moment and do so. As always tonight, your comments, your questions are in play. Let's get to tonight's guest. He is a hobbypreneur. He is an innovator in the space who is known for his unique branding and quick ability to pivot in our rapidly evolving hobby. He is live from the Dallas show this weekend. Let's bring him on. There he goes, Eddie Siegel. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. Welcome back. How are you? Where are we, Eddie? We are live. We are live. Yes, yes, we are. So you're you're at the Dallas show. Let's jump right into that, Eddie. How is the Dallas show this weekend? Dallas show is, uh, you know, well, let me start by saying the hobbies, the hobby is in a good place. The hobby's in good hands. And uh, Dallas shows have been really busy rocking, a lot of deals going on. And, uh, you know, it started yesterday. It was probably one of the busiest Fridays that I've seen at a show um, that I've, it might have, I might put it in my top two best Fridays in terms of traffic and action uh, that I've seen probably within the last, I'm going to say 12 months. And you've been to lots of shows in the last 12 months. I mean, I follow you on Instagram. You're constantly putting out content, showing the action at the shows to say that this is the top two Friday of all time. Like what, what's the vibe like in the room this weekend? Uh, You know, a lot of, a lot of positive vibes. I mean, um, you know, with the NBA going into the playoffs right now and, and the NFL season coming to a, to an end um it's even though there's only just like really one sport going no no disrespect to hockey and all but uh, uh in lot. terms of the you know uh, buying and selling basketball is where it's at right now right so um you know a lot of selling obviously a lot of people looking to sell and move cards or trade into cards and stuff um and uh i'm seeing you know a lot of that and what on. players are you finding are people really honing in on today? Ah, uh, boy, I'll tell you. You know, of course, you know Jean Moran is pretty hot, right? So a lot of people are looking for a lot of Jean Moran. Uh, Kevin Kevin Durant. I'm um, seeing a lot of people with Kevin Durant. I saw a couple of big sales um, on uh, Devin Booker. Uh, some really big Devin Booker. One that went on just right next to me. Uh, with the the gentleman that was uh, exhibiting right next to me, he sold a really big Devin Booker card, um, and then of course with the news today, I mean, there's been a lot of spark with uh, Zion Williamson. So that's uh, hit the marketplace floor around like you know eleven eleven thirty a.m. with that news that he was potentially coming back, uh, and uh, that sort of sparked a a big interest in his cards. Like people were actually looking to buy them again, or were they trying to were they trying to were people trying to scoop them up before? sellers adjusted their prices back up or did sellers ever even adjust their prices down on 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 zion yeah i mean people looking to buy you know a lot of people looking to buy looking to speculate with him uh, potentially coming back now what about can you speak a little bit to the split on the show floor between vintage and modern and speak to the vintage present and sort of uh what what players or specific cards you've seen out on the floor that impressed you or that you saw other people 
really focusing in on? Uh, I'd probably say somewhere in that, you know, 75-25 range, maybe closer to 80-20 on modern versus vintage. Um, and you can, usually you can gauge the vintage market by how many big vintage cards are out there, how many mantles are out on, on the marketplace floor or Maze or Jackie Robinson and stuff. Um, but it seems like, you know, there's always been, you know, at the shows, at least in Dallas, um, a, a good assortment of vintage uh, dealers. And, um, you know, I think that uh, the vintage market has been acting strong from what I see. And, you know, people are starting to maybe that they haven't ever delved into the vintage market. They've always been in modern are now starting to you know, look into the Mickey Mantles of the world or the Willie Mays or Wilt Chamberlain's and Bill Russell's and, and stuff. Guys that I um, have been, that I have watched over the last year and a half or a couple of years that have been preferably modern flippers, never really see them with vintage. And now I'm starting to see them delve into some big vintage cards. We had an opportunity to do a deal today. Of course, we funded a sports card advance to help out somebody that acquired a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card. We dropped that video in our feed so uh, that, uh, that was a pretty good deal day. That was the, probably one of the only few mantles on the floor today. So Yeah, very nice. Uh, 52 tops Mickey Mantle. That's, that's quite the card. What else, uh, what other sort of cards or, or players, what are you looking for? Uh, what are you looking for when you're at the show? Uh, we'll get to the sports card advance in your business shortly, but what are you looking for as far as where you want to deploy capital uh, for for your own long-term holds and do you do you long-term hold any card or are you looking for some of those blue chips to hold for like five plus years and if so what where we where would you put your money yeah so it's it's a good question you know a lot of people always ask me and I, i've always been a vintage collector through and through and i believe in the vintage market um a lot less volatile um high grade vintage um uh, you know after coming back into the market uh, about a couple, a few years ago, I've I've learned that high grade vintage is really where it's at in terms of um, you know the low population and what real collectors and real investors really want to put big money into, which is high grade vintage cards. You know the this, the eights and sevens, eights and nines of the world. So um, you know I'm always down to you know purchase a big vintage card. You know in high grade. So uh, whether it's Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays or Jackie Robinson or Hank Aaron. Uh, and, and then even when you go over to some of the other sports and basketball, you know, it's the same run of guys, right? The Bill Russell's, the Will, Chamber, Will Chamberlain's of the world, um, Larry Bird, uh, of course, Jordan. Um, and, you know, coming over to football, you know, Joe Montana and uh, Jim Brown. I am in, uh, you know, I'm in the hunt for a Joe Montana PSA 10. It's on top of my list. Um, I believe the card is undervalued when you compare him to, let's say, Brady he won five Super Bowls. Um, the only difference between him and Brady is that he's never lost a Super Bowl. So I really want to add that to my collection, a Montana PSA 10, super low pop, a little over 100 or something like that. So I think it, there's a lot of opportunity for you know, a card like Joe Montana, a PSA 10. I completely agree with you on, on the Montana. And I, I, you know, I do believe the PSA 10 is slightly over a population of 100. Yeah. So that that is a rare card for somebody who, you know, in the absence of Brady would likely be considered the GOAT for a football. If even on, you know, for those that, you know, can't, you know, go after the PSA 10, the PSA 9 Joe Montana also, I believe, is undervalued. If you compare his 
PSA 9 to let's say a Brady, uh, you know, Topps Chrome or, some, or Bowman Chrome or something like that. You know, I think you can get into a Joe Montana for less than a couple thousand dollars for a PSA 9. So, uh, yeah. Or BGS 9.5. Yeah, no, fair enough. I want to, you, you were mentioning high grade vintage and you mentioned, uh, you mentioned several players, but you went by the Willie Mays. Uh, and the reason why I want to talk about Willie Mays for a second is because that's a card that I'm currently, and I have been on the lookout for, for over 10 years, close, maybe, maybe close to 15 years now. Eddie and I've never had the chance to buy a copy that I really liked. So you mentioned that you know you think that high grade vintage is sort of where it's at, and I'm I'm gonna put out there that you know I think mid grade is all. I mean all grades of vintage. The the you know we, you use the term real collectors uh, and investors. You know as far as collectors go, I think they a lot of people just want a copy of a card. You know, sure. and, and of course, everybody has different financial resources, so they'll 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 add what they can. So for me, yes, I'd love to add a PSA six, seven, or eight Willie Mays fifty-one Bowman, but uh, that's now four times what I could have bought it for in two thousand and eight. So now I'm thinking to myself, Eddie, you know, I'd be happy with a, a nice PSA four. What are your what are your thoughts on nice mid grades? Like I'm talking to PSA four. I find there's a big difference between a PSA three and a PSA four in terms of visible flaws and and really the, the amount of them so what do you think of a nice psa for willie mays bowman rookie uh, as an alternative to say and to save some money at the at the purchase time over a psa 7 willie mays which is going to cost you close to a hundred thousand dollars yeah i mean don't get me wrong i mean even though i like the high grade vintage i go after a lot of mid-grade stuff and i think uh it, 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 this is the best chance and the best opportunity for me to use the the word undervalued. I think a lot of low to mid range vintage is, is still super undervalued. When you talk about guys like Willie Mays and a fifty one Bowman or or fifty two Tops, um, you know if you can, you can you can find nice copies of PSA or PSA or SGC threes um, or or even fours, and sometimes you can find you know. A really good eye appeal and, and the card can be really centered real well in a PSA 4 but maybe there's some creases on it that you really can't see that's where there's value I mean I think eye appeal is good I mean we, we always hear people say you buy the card not the grade so and that really holds true in vintage and no two vintage cards are the same um, but you can find some really pretty you know PSA 3's and 4's I mean I've had many Hank Aaron rookies Jackie Robinson rookies that were low grade 3, 4's and 5's and they are, you know, super ultra liquid always. And you can never go wrong putting your money into any type of, you know, vintage card, whether it's a one or you know, whether it's a, you know, high grade nine. So, yeah, you know, when it comes to vintage and by I'm, I'm talking like uh, early 50s and, and, and before, I'm starting to think that a PSA four, five, six is mid grade. Seven, eight, nine, ten would be high grade and one, two, three would be low grade. That's where that's for my own approach and how I would govern my own sort of uh, just the way I analyze things. So th that's where I'm at right now on that. And uh, I think you're right, though. And I think it's true. You know, there's value in a, in any any Willie Mays 51 Bowman, never mind his 52 tops and especially his 53 tops, which I think is my favorite vintage card of all time, just from a, an aesthetics perspective. Uh, the image of him on the 53 tops is an amazing, amazing card. So. Um, okay, this is good stuff. Let's go say hi to the chat, see what we got. Hold your thought. We'll come right back to it. 
And I want I wanted to bring up uh, Dave's comment right here. He says that he's telling me on the Bowman Maze to go after a PSA one or a two that has slight paper loss on the back, but the rest of the card is a seven. So that's a great recommendation. You know, paper loss on the back, you're not going to see it as much on the front. The only thing I would say to that is I don't know that I want, you know, there ha it would have to be minor paper loss for me to want the card. I'd rather have a pinhole that, that you can barely see go sure. through the card that would otherwise be a seven that is now an automatic one. To me, that's where there's monster value. What do you think about a card like that? A PSA one that looks like a seven, but for a pinhole. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm right with you. I think pinholes, I love cards with pinholes, man. I mean, it's that mystique, that, that, that nostalgia, that, 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 because you never know where it was at on a wall, right? In someone's room or something like that. They actually took it and put it up somewhere. And that, that what gets me thinking about it. Like, where was this card at? And who had this card? Who put the pin into it? There's a ton of nostalgia behind it. So, and I think, you know, pinholes, they don't get enough respect. You know, I mean, they get, they get knocked down, right? If it has a pinhole, automatically it gets knocked down to like a two or three and the whole car could be perfect. So, but uh, paper loss on the back. I mean, listen, those two are, still hard to find right but um i'm with you i like you know i like a clean a clean front and back same here same here right here frankie says that he'll pick up any maze mantle and clemente he sees in any grade doesn't even matter and that's i mean let's face it like you said eddie there's always liquidity on any cards in any condition of these players so frankie obviously knows what he's doing and he'll pick them up uh wherever and whenever he can uh, let's say hello to Jeff McMahon, Albert Jones. What's going on? Chris C. I see you got a Nolan Ryan rookie in a 4.5, but looks five or better. Very nice. Congratulations. Chris C. Says even 70s are considered vintage. It's almost 50 years ago. Oh, for me, definitely, Chris. I consider vintage up to 1989, actually, for me personally. But when I was talking about, I was dividing it up even further to talk about sort of where I see or how I would look at, you know, four or five. To me, a card from the 70s is going to be, um, assessed differently by by myself in terms of you know my standards for what I want in my collection. Joe Perot, good evening to you. Thank you, Troy, keeping me up to date on the Flames game tonight. Chris says that SGC is good for vintage too. Yes, no doubt about it. Let's go to the top and just run through here, Eddie. One, here we go. Our friend Tim from Slabstrong, right? There we go. We are live with Slabstrong. We got Corey from Show Your Slabs also. A tribute to you right there. Troy's in the house. Good evening. Jake, Jake Dahl, what's going on? Frank Estella, as always. Frankie, good to see you. Studio Sports says good evening. Hope you're well and wealthy as well. Kurt Renault, looking forward to having you here. Very good. We got Julian in the house. What is going on? JG must be in Dallas right now, says it's a buyer's market. Eddie, comment on it. Is it a buyer's market there? Is that what you're feeling? I would agree, you know, I would agree for the most part, it is a buyer's market. A lot of people are selling, you know, a lot of people are, as they say, are, you know, card rich right now. And, and yeah, a lot of selling going on, more selling than buying, I, I would say so, which is yeah. not a bad thing. Well, it's funny because you say more selling than buying, but for there to be a seller, there needs there to, needs be, a to buyer, be a buyer. But... So it's the same. Yes. So, so I guess what you're saying is like the, if it's, if it's a buyer's market, I think what we're what we're under and my understanding and, and I, I always want to understand what the feeling like is in the room and I'm not at a show and I'd love to be the Dallas show with you and everybody else, of course. But I think what I'm hearing and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the sellers are more motivated to sell their cards at this month's show than they were at the la at the January show. Is that fair? 
Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think I think so. Yes, it's a fair fair assessment from from what I'm seeing. Yes. Okay, great, Michael Ham. Good evening to you. Uh, Corey says, "Word on the street, Eddie had to call Brinks for a re-up, so you're having some success there." Word on the street. Oh yeah, I had to call. Yes, that that it that would be true. Yes, uh, had to try and make another trip. Yes, and uh, uh, it's all about the logistics on with with that part of it. Yep. It's all about logistics and liquidity. Anthony George says, "Such a tough card to gem." He's talking about the Joe Montana, the Joe Montana rookie. Of course, it is. No doubt about it. Uh, Dr. Wanted to know what you meant by real. I think we've uh, gone through that already. Dr. We don't need to dive into that right now. Uh, Dave mentioned about the Willie Mays, and I appreciate that. Jeff McMahon, Albert Jones. We got Vintage Card Collector. Kevin Castrava, good evening from Philadelphia. Nice to see you, new name. Glad to have you. Alf Cadet, what's going on? Gretzky rookie card is the last vintage year. No, it isn't, T-Dot. No, it isn't. That's your opinion, and you're entitled to it. But it's wrong. No, I'm just kidding. It's right for you, definitely. Dave says, buyer's market is going to get bigger and bigger. Well, that, you know, eventually, eventually, if there's too much demand on the buyers, uh, on the sellers, because it's a buyer's market, then the sellers are going to have to turn that around. That's just the way the market usually would, would would respond i would think skeppy wants to know eddie how many nice ken oh you just want me to say it how many nice ken stabler rookies are on the floor it's a joke because i never know how to say his name i think i finally nailed it though i think i did i think i did good evening jim all right so let's let's talk about what you have going on with investacard and um you know you you pivoted last time you were on the show which was about a year ago you had your partnership program it was and it was your full service consignment. You would take it right through grading and sales for your customers. You did your invest a lot show, your investor raw show. I used to tune in on Instagram, watch some of that. What what was that? And talk about the journey you've had over the last year. Why did you sort of move away from that and into the sports card advance? And I'll just let you go, let you speak sort of freely now for a few minutes and talk about the evolution and the pivot that uh, Investacard has made. Um, yeah, sure. I think, you know, one way, one way for me to describe it is, you know, I wanted to be in a position where I can control my own destiny and to, you know, do something that I have a lot of passion for and, um, you know, provide a service that I think is well needed within the hobby. Um, you know, the, the partnership program, I think, uh, was a good program if we were able to get, you know, our cards back. And I know that we all went through that during the, uh, during the pandemic where the delays were there for, for grading and, you know, hurt a lot of people's businesses, couldn't get cards back. And I, I kind of realized that early on and um, I was able to pull the plug on the whole thing because maybe I foresaw what was what was happening. And if I can't have control over building my business and being able to service my customers, then we got to go on. We got to do something else. The original plan when I first started Investacard was to do the finance and I sort of started with the retail and marketing and stuff but uh, you know learning experiences um, I think um, you know when when you're trying to service a customer uh, and you can't provide that service it's it's never a good situation so uh, the live shows were real fun uh, and uh, they were you know definitely a lot of fun to do but really wasn't a, a business that you can fully scale um, with where the market was at at, at the time, and uh, I really wanted to create something that where there was some you know some good value and and create a real business model that we can scale. Um, so and that's why we pivoted into the you know finance space where we can um, you know 
creating an alternative uh, liquidity option uh, rather than just buying, you know, selling and trading. And that's what we provide with, you know, the sports card advanced service where um, you can, uh, you're not going to be pushed into maybe trading a card because you want to go ahead and pick something else up or have to sell a card because the market is down or so on and so forth. We give you the opportunity to still own your card 100%, uh, have you take out uh, some capital out of that card and do it in, in a really um, simple way. Uh, which is, you know, simple, fast approvals, uh, you know, instant funding, whether you're at the show or whether uh, the day that the cards arrive in our offices and they get, um, you know, confirmed and everything, the funding happens the same day. And I think speed is the key. Um, we wanted to create that liquidity option, which we've been doing. And, uh, you know, it's been going really well. And uh, I'm happy with the pace that we're on. I think that uh, sky's the limit for us because, the hobby really needs, you know, another liquidity option. So let's get into a bit of the uh, the process, the, the the technicalities of it. So if I have, if I let's say I'm at the Dallas Card Show this weekend and I bring in a 52 top tops Mickey Mantle, it's worth fifty thousand dollars, and I don't have cash. I'm just I, I'm card rich, cash poor, as I think a lot of people might be right now. So I don't have a lot of cash, but I've got this this wonderful card. And there's other cards in the room that I want to purchase, and uh, but I don't want to sell the mantle in order to uh, in order to raise the funds. So I bring you the card. What do you do when I bring you the card? So we'll do a you know a, a, what we call a sports card evaluation on it. We'll look up obviously. We'll put it plug the numbers into our system, and it's going to pull up some data based on uh, previous sales, right? Uh, if there were any previous sales on it within the last 30, 60, or 90 days, all the way up to 12 months, uh, where they were sold at, which platform they were sold at, and we're gonna come up with a you know, a market evaluation on the card. Um, if the market evaluation comes up to 50,000, then we're gonna advance somewhere between 60 and 70% on that card, depending on some risk factors. Most vintage cards, especially like a Mickey Mantle, you know, we can, uh, we're comfortable going up to 70% on that. Uh, but if it was just for if we went sixty percent on the card, then in the if it was a fifty thousand dollar market value, we're going to advance let's say thirty thousand on that card. Um, you still own it a hundred percent, but you still have the option to sell that card because it's it's not a loan; it's an advance on the future market sale of the card. Um, at any time, you know you can still have the card up for sale on eBay or My Slabs or any other platform. If you do sell it, then just pay off the balance. We'll even drop ship it for you, or just ship the card back to you. So uh, we advance thirty thousand dollars on that card. It's uh, the term is usually under six months. Uh, we're probably averaging somewhere around twenty weeks. Um, again, it's not a loan. We use a factor rate, so we charge a flat fee to utilize the capital, and for you to still own a hundred percent of the card. So um, that's basically how that works. And the average factor rate right now is probably running somewhere around that like that 15% range. So uh, 30,000 times, you know, 15% uh, is the total payback that you would pay on that. So whatever that number comes out to on the calculator in front of me, but uh, uh, so uh, there are no other, uh, you know, nothing, nothing really else that you have to do to, you know, get the funds. As long as you have the card there, it gets verified. You sign a simple uh, sports card advance agreement. Uh, we do 
have to link your bank up with a third-party company called Plaid, which takes a couple of minutes, and that's just to verify that you are who you say that you are, and it gives us the ability to, you know, collect our weekly payments. Uh, so pretty simple process. Yeah, that does sound simple. Um, I want to bring up a couple comments that have come in here. Uh, the, the most recent one from Dave, and I think it's an easy answer. He says, so Mark's cards could get loans and then sell the cards, just trust them to pay you. But no, you're actually taking possession of the cards, which would then still allow for the the uh, the owner, your client, to list elsewhere, and then you sure. would drop ship for them. So yep. you you've covered you've covered your risk off by having possession of your customers' cards. Sure. Correct? Yeah. We we take the cards in. We have a full bank vault. You know, obviously we've people have seen it. You know, on a lot of our videos, um, we have a full bank vault um, that can house you know hundreds of thousands of cards fully insured and you know with with security and everything so here's another question from the uh, same guy dave says how much capital was taken out of zion did you take any zions in on on the sports card advance program absolutely we've taken in a couple of big zions you know uh rpas and you know true rpas took in a, a nice flawless one of one about a month and a half ago a couple of months ago i think that's a good example of a card where you can really utilize our service and and uh, with a particular player that's out uh, that, are, you know, if you've got some high end cards like that, high end Zion uh, and, and you're not panicking to sell it um, there, here's an opportunity for you to pull some capital out, put the card off to the side for the next four, five, six months, chill, relax, utilize the equity that you have in that card. And, uh, you know, then you can decide what you want to do as, as you move along. And now we come up to a situation where the guys that took advances on some of those big Zions, you know, if he comes back, obviously it's great for the hobby. And, um, you know, I'm a big Zion supporter myself. So I'm hoping he comes back and, and uh, put on your seatbelts because, you know, if, if he comes back and, and he scores, starts to score 25 or 30 a game, how many games uh, of 25 uh, is it going to take before people start to forget about Ja Moran? <laughs> we'll see. We will see. I, I just I just picked up a John Moran card the other day. Probably going against most of the the uh, the advice or most of what I've said uh, is my sort of uh, approach to things. But um, I was I happened to be in, in L.A. for a short time. I was at Burbank, so I, I snapped up a, a jaw card from from Rob there. Um, for anyone who was asking, uh, and there it is right there, you guys can follow Eddie and Investacard on Instagram, at Investacard. Nice and simple, just like that. Eddie, a question from Vintage Card Collector. What percent of cards that are financed are returned to their original owners? Uh, well, uh, you know, we have a pretty high retention rate right now um, since we started. Uh, the, if the balance gets paid off, the cards get you know returned to, to the owners, right? Unless they want to renew it. If they want to renew it, then they have the opportunity to renew that and you know utilize the capital again. So uh, currently, we're uh, since we started, we're we're running about an about an eighty five percent retention rate, which means take people take capital and they come back again. Now, in some cases, they might pay off, get those cards back, and then maybe. You know, give us another card or another batch of cards that they might want to utilize at that time, depending on what what situation they're in in terms of the cards that they're holding. So, you know, it's a it's a pretty high percentage rate. Um, I think you know from from the customers that we're seeing, or at least that I'm seeing, because I deal with each and every one of them. Um, 
I think we're seeing a lot of cards that are coming in that are not replaceable cards. And that's really what we, you know, if I had to pick out a perfect scenario for us, it's cards that are, that you can't replace. Those are the really good cards. That's what we're looking for to advance against. And if we could have, you know, millions of dollars of cards in our portfolio that are, or that you can't replace, uh, those are the cards that people want to keep and they're not going to, you know, run away from. So, yeah. So, so back to Zion, who's obviously a very risky uh, player to collect in, well, let's, it's not risky to collect, but it's risky to invest in, let's say. Um, there, someone put up the comment here and I want to bring it up. T-Dot says, so what if Zion gets hit by a car? You're, well, that would apply to any player actually, but you know, your collateral, your collateral is vaporized, would be vaporized on an unproven player. So how do you, balance that in in your offering yeah so you know it could happen with any player right i mean we we take risk in everything that we do right it's part of the risk that we take in our business so um if if, if zion is done then, then that's the risk that we take you know we uh, obviously you know cards would go and, and get sold and uh if there's losses there then you know we're we're ready to move on to the next right it's uh you get up and you move on to the next so that's the part of uh, the risk that we take. Because obviously your customer, your client who took out an advance against that card, yep. owns you now maybe more than it's worth, they may just say to you upon upon the end of the term of the, of the advance, they may say, well, I don't wanna buy it back. And that's part of the deal. You say, that's okay. This deal is over. This card now, the ownership transfers to us at Investacart. And now you're gonna you're you're gonna decide what to do: blow it out, liquidate it, or maybe yeah. sit on it and, and and see if it's announced one morning that he's gonna come back, or might be closer to coming back than people thought. And now all of a sudden you're gonna be able to sell that uh, and recover your 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 uh, your loss. Yeah, I think part of the value in, in using our service is that you know we're assuming that risk, right? So if a player gets injured and he's, and he's done, and that's it, um, and the cards have to be liquidated. And if we go to sell those cards and there's not enough funds to pay off the balance, um, you know, there's no collection notices going out or anything like that. We're assuming the risk um, and, uh, you know, we're moving on, you know, to the next. But in, in those cases there, we're going to liquidate the card and sell it. Um, you know, hopefully we're, you know, we're able to, uh, we monitor this portfolio each, you know, on a daily basis. So we're watching, you know, uh, if you, you know, ever get an opportunity to see how we're monitoring the market you know with four or five screens and one guy is watching the market and as the portfolio starts to grow out each and every month bigger and bigger and bigger you know we're paying more attention to the market so if a player percentage goes down or something like that we're able to sort of maybe pluck that card and and go hands you know heads up with the, with the owner and maybe consult with him and see what he wants to do right so if the card is down you know 14 percent let's say for the month and uh, maybe we'll, we're consulting with him and does he want to keep it? Does he want to move it? And, you know, what's his plan? Because at the end, he still owns the card 100%, right? We're just advancing on it. Our goal is to house the card and, um, you know, get the balance paid off of it. So, uh, but uh, there's definitely some added value on, on from the risk side that we're taking uh, for the customer. I think there certainly is. What tool or tools do you use to monitor the market? Uh, sure, that's a good question. I mean, we use several, you know, a few different marketplaces, obviously, that we're, we're, we're um, and uh, uh, of course, we're associated with Cardbase um, out of uh, the Cardbase app. 
Um, we use the Cardbase app, but we also use other third-party apps as well to, to, to look at the market, and it very well could be Card Ladder. I mean, Card Ladder is a great uh, tool that we look at on a daily basis, and there's other, um, you know, other platforms that we look at. The more the data, the better for us, we say, right? And uh, I think it's important for us to have really good data, especially when we're pricing cards out. You know, uh, the faster that, that we can price cards out, uh, the better service that we can provide, you know, to the to the customer. Yeah, definitely. Here's a uh, sort of a related question. Uh, Skeppy says, what economic indicators do you follow outside of the card market and how does this help you as well as advise your clients? Uh, you know, we were just talking about some of this stuff, um, you know, just over the last couple of weeks and, and what we can include to look at different markets and, and, and to uh, view, you know, how that card is going to perform, right? And one of the ways, you know, even one of the ways that we looked at is, you know, even the Vegas lines, you know, we might look at the Vegas lines and look at what the futures are on some of those teams and stuff like that and where, where that's heading at and how we can include some of that stuff into our risk factors and, and how we price out and, and look at a card. Um, so those type of examples there. Um, but again, you know, we're, we're trying to compile as much data as we can find, you know, on certain players and stuff and where that card is, you know, how the card is reacting in, you know, different times of the year, whether it's during in season, out of season, um, when's the best time to, you know, invest in football cards, right? Is now the time to best during the off season is the best time to, you know, leverage your, you know, your football cards right now for the next four or five months while they're just going to sit, right? You're not going to sell in a closed market in a closed season where, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to take a, you know, a little bit of a haircut when you're selling football cards this time of the year. So anything that we can find to monitor the market, that's some of the things that we're, that we're working on using more of. Yeah, that, that makes I I think it's it's sort of, it's sort of funny to me to hear that Vegas lines would be economic indicators, but it, it doesn't surprise me either. That might be an, an economic indicator that you need in order to to do what you need to be doing. Yeah. Uh, what about are you are you paying close attention to fiscal policy in the U.S. and economic relief that's been going on over the past year? Yeah, it's always you know listen. Uh, it tends to be it, it, it affects all markets, right? I think in in some aspects, right? Uh, and you can start to see it. Uh, personally, myself, I don't try and pay too much attention to it. I plow forward, and you know, I try to just put myself in a position where I can control my own destiny on what we what I can do, right, on a daily basis. So, uh, but I think you know we're seeing it could be affect uh, you know on what's going on in, in the world right now. Um, people could be a little scared to spend money or invest in, in alternative assets and so on and so forth. They could maybe put themselves in a situation where, uh, you know, they get a little afraid and, they're, and they want to move different assets out and sell off. And we're seeing that, you know, even if you look at the markets right now, stock market or the crypto market or even the sports card market, right? So you, you get a lot of that, I think, in this in, in the situation that we're in right now. And you know, with what's going on. So, uh, but we got to focus on what's in front of us. So that's what I do. Do you take, do you take in, uh, ungraded cards ever on the events? No, no. The only, well, I shouldn't say that actually, um, we advance against just graded cards, but, uh, we will look at a high end raw card, uh, 
Uh, and the only way that we'll do that is we'll advance against a raw card if we can go ahead and grade it and put it through PSA or one of the other grading companies and uh, increase the the asset value to it, right? So in a few situations where we, we'll, we'll advance against a raw card, we'll look at it. If we think that we can get a high grade on it, if it's, a, if it's an auto raw card, let's say a National Treasures or something like that, and we think that we can get a 9 with a 10 auto and increase the value of it, um, then it makes sense to us. So that's some added value that we give to some of our customers. If they do have a high-end raw card, we'll, we try to go to PSA like every six or seven weeks. So we'll jump on an airplane, go to PSA, walk them through, and turn that raw card and, and increase the asset value. And I think it's good for the customer, and it's also good for our portfolio as well, that we can take a raw card, advance against it, and increase the the value of it. So that's uh, one of the areas that we're looking at. I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm scanning the comments coming in from the chat, and there are some excellent questions, you guys. So I'm going to try and get to them all, but we're going to start with this one, Eddie. Dexlo says, Eddie, is it possible for you to give us a Jersey Shore fist pump, my dude? Jersey Shore fist pump. I don't really know what that is, but I've never a Jersey Shore fist pump. I mean, I mean, that's about all I can, you know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> If, that, if that's what we'll they're talking about, but we'll let we'll let you off the hook. Let's go to this, Justin Vick. What's the average value you accept, and how low do you go? Uh, the average value that we accept, um, well, the minimum advance amount right now is around five thousand five thousand dollars. So you'd have to have at least seven or eight thousand dollars in market value to to get a five thousand dollar advance, um, and uh, uh, that's. You know, as long as the card, we'd like to see the card values of at least a thousand dollars. So you don't have to have just one card. You could have six or seven cards that we put together in a lot, and and then we just put a whole market value to that. And I think for us, that's actually prop. It's better for us. It, it gives us more diversification for the portfolio, right? Especially if you come with us with three football cards, two basketball cards, and a you know UFC card or something like that. So. Diversification is key. Definitely. Lots of questions uh, that, that kind of, uh, I, I would say, relate to that a little bit that are coming up. Beavis Card says, is there a rate difference based on risk level of active players versus non-sports, i.e. Charizard can't tear an ACL? The, yeah, the, so the joke is getting older than any other right now. Yeah, good, good question. Uh, you know, obviously, risk factors are a little bit higher on the modern side, uh, might be um, you know, three or four percent higher on the modern side versus a vintage card. We feel more comfortable doing a lower factor rate on a vintage card. And then, of course, when you go into the non-sports, especially Pokemon, you know, it's, it's been volatile, right? So, um, for the ones that we've taken in, then yes, much higher higher um, cost of capital for the non-sport type stuff because there's just not enough history on it, right? And that's what we look at. So the you know longevity of it, how long it's been around, um, and you know the the how much action really is in in the market, you know on, on those particular you know non-sport cards. So, right. Okay. Uh, Dave says how so do you limit how many new cards you take as a percentage of your total portfolio? Like are you, I, I guess are you are you constantly balancing the portfolio between vintage and modern or? It doesn't really matter. Every every case is 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 simply assessed on its own merit. Yeah, every deal is you know it's a it's its own 
one deal at a time, right? Um, so obviously, you know, we're not approving every card that we look at. So, um, but um, the question was, so do you limit how many cards? We don't li limit how many cards. I think, you know, probably the, you know, I think we had a deal that had probably maybe 25, 30 cards in it uh, and that we did a deal on. Um, so there's no limit. There's no maximum. You know, if someone has, obviously, if someone brings us uh, 50 Luka Doncic uh, PSA 10 silvers, uh, we may not do all 50 of them. So uh, because it's just it would, could skew the portfolio to, you know, for us. So definitely. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Vintage Card Collector says, will you advance a higher or lower percent based on the grading company? For example, Will you advance a higher percent for PSA? Well, I think that's just inherent in the fact that you are doing an evaluation of the value. So whatever the value is, the value is. But aside from the value, are you more prone to advancing on on one grading company slab over another? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. It's a good question. And right, say hello to Canacar right there. Hello, <laughs> Everyone knows Canacar. Uh, the, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, PSA is is the creme de la creme right within the, the you know the hobby as we call it uh but um will we give a you know a higher maybe advanced percentage on a psa over a bgs you know 9.5 um i don't think so i think you know we look at the value right the market speaks right the market is what the market is um currently we're advancing against you know psa slabs bgs and sgc sgc vintage preferably sgc vintage only um and and that's because you know as you know uh, the you know the market is is the market in terms of modern cards with you know with psa and bgs so um we try and just you know stick to sgc vintage and they do a great job over at sgc on the vintage been doing grading vintage for many many years that's how they started and uh so um and in some cases you know sgc vintage is right up there with psa you know, so it's a, uh, uh, they're, they're definitely closing the gap on that end. How, how, you know, you're looking at a lot of graded cards, obviously you're assessing them. You're, you're not only like, let me ask you this. When you are assessing a card and you can see the grade on the label in the slab, do you go that extra step and really determine for yourself or come to your own judgment? Did the grading company get it right? Do you agree with the grade? So, so that's my first question. I'll let you answer that, then I have a follow-up. Yeah, so we're in the business of, you know, lending, advancing and lending. I'm not in the business of grading. So I try not to get too deep into that, right? We're not a grading company. Um, and, uh, you know, have I ever looked at a card and and it was there was a, you know, a 10 on it or something like that, and you can tell that it was off-centered or whatever. You might say to yourself, well, how did this card get a 10? Wow, look at the corner on this or something like that. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. The card is in the slab already and, uh, we let the grading companies do, you know, determine that and, and do what they do. And, and we focus in on, you know, what we do best, which is, you know, uh, advancing and, and, and providing, you know, fast service to the customers. So. Okay. No, I, I thought I was just interested to know. Dot says your business makes me more bullish on cards. I think that's an interesting comment. Goes on to say, do you think, do you think cards have finally achieved a novel strong asset class 100 percent. i mean you're seeing it you know across you know the board you know not only just with us you know lending and getting in on that side and and um but you're seeing it with many other companies coming into the space a lot of you know a lot of uh 
you know, private equity, a lot of hedge funds, of course, big companies like Fanatics pouring a lot of funds in, into the into the hobby and acquiring other companies. And um, I think, um, you know, people are looking at sports cards now as, you know, just like if they looked at art or coins, you know, it's a true asset value and there's a true asset to it. And the market is spoken, you know, and uh, you can you can tell by uh, the way the market reacts, whether it's, you know, in a bullish market or a bear market. Um, you see it with all the, uh, you know, uh, platforms out there that are providing, you know, data to customers, you know, companies like Cardbase and Card Ladder and stuff. Um, and that's continuing to grow and companies that are coming into the market uh, and, and providing services on how you price cards the fastest. I'm seeing all of this at shows. I just keep continuously see it. Um, you know, I just saw two other companies with brand new apps uh, giving you the ability to price cards super fast. And I think that's key. So things like that, yes, 100%. Uh, it's an asset class that's here to stay. And, uh, you know, it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, right. I think you're right about that. I, I do believe it'll continue to grow. I think it'll continue to grow, but it will will constantly have the cycles that we've had for for the as long as I can remember in the hobby. So, for anyone who sort of expects uh, or or ever had the expectation that the card values would only ever go up, I think we learned some good lessons over the last year, and uh, I think people are are much more now able to. Uh, just, just understand that uh, that things move in cycles. That is just uh, the way of the world. Troy's Collectible says, have you ever come over a situation where a card value has shot up since you took it in while it was in your possession? And would you then offer more percent or would you then offer more money to the, uh, to the customer? So, um, you know, it, you know, we do an advance based on the, the market value that we give it at the time. So it's not static, right? And um, the owner has every opportunity to pay it off and, you know, get it back or have the opportunity for us to sell it or have him sell it if the market value goes up. Um, he has the opportunity to renew it. So, yes, um, he can put a request in for a renewal. And at that time, we will reevaluate the card and, um, you know, redo the deal and, you know, pay off the balance and, and he might be able to net out, you know, the difference in, in some of those situations there. But we've already came upon those, um, you know, opportunities where the card value went up. And uh, and I think in both a few of those instances, they decided to, you know, get the card back. Right. And uh, whether they use the card for a trade or they end up selling a card um, in those instances there, they uh, they paid them off pretty fast. So that was good. It's good for the portfolio. And it's only it's all positive from there. That's what we hope for, right? We hope that the that the cards go up in value while um, you know they have an advance out. That is the you know the the end you know, the ring the bell, right? That's yeah. that's where the success is at. So that's a good that's a good scenario for everybody. Uh, this is funny. Jake Dahl says, "Have you ever gotten a T206 Honus Wagner?" And then Anthony George says, "I'm assuming anyone who has a Honus doesn't need a loan." Or, or a loan slash pawn on it. So, have you ever had a Honus T two hundred six? No, not yet. Hope maybe you know one of these days we're not gonna maybe. Uh, and uh, you know we're I think uh, you know I always say this we're looking to advance to uh, guys that are or people that that 
uh, that don't need the money, right? That don't need it, right? We want to lend to guys that don't need it. Uh, lending to someone that actually needs it is not always the best scenario for us, right? But someone who doesn't need it, but maybe they don't want to pull funds from other areas, whether it's from savings or something like that, and they have an opportunity to, uh, you know, take capital out and put it towards something else, it, whether it be sports cards or it could be a real estate. We've had many different scenarios why they take funds out. And it's not just for sports cards, right? They love their sports cards. They want to hold on to those sports cards. The Jackie Robinsons, the, the LeBron James refractors of the world and so on and so forth. A Michael Jordan PSA 9 and taking funds out and put it towards, you know, a real estate project. Um, we've had someone who, you know, opened up a uh, Asian fusion food truck right across the street from a, from a college. And now he's got a, another revenue stream, another business right uh all from you know not having to sell his cards he still owns them and he now has a, another business so um the perspective that people look at this is you know for it's not a loan it's an advance and and yes a lot of people say well pawn shop uh far from a pawn shop and uh because i think we add more value more flexibility uh you currently can't walk into a pawn shop uh and and ask them to give you a loan on it. it's not it's not really a, a product that they take in there might be some out there but I don't think with the flexibility that we offer and of course we do this every day so and the knowledge that we have because of how many cards we're looking at so well let's I'm gonna to attempt to even separate you from the typical pawn uh, business model even further by asking you is Marcus Limonis still involved with Investacard sure yeah so his 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 uh, you know um, uh, he's got you know, a company that he owns that owns part of uh, Investacard, yes, uh, percentage of it, and uh, uh, they're still with us and uh, obviously, you know, helping us in many ways uh, and helping us grow and, and obviously taking us into the next stage of where we're heading right now in terms of um, how do we scale this and how do we really scale this because, you know, we have something really uh, good here and we're providing a really good service and liquidity and how do we scale it and uh, really uh, bring it to the masses? So, yes. And just just ask another question about Marcus because he's somebody that I, I really enjoy uh, the way he analyzes businesses. I see a lot of value. And I've learned a lot watching watching the profit on CNBC and just seeing what he does when he walks into a business to, to help it. And, um, you know, how much how much time do you get of his every month or so or every couple of months? And and I, you know, he's an outside the box thinker. And although he, he's very good at simplifying things, how, how much of this whole funding of the, of the sports card advance was, like, like, I guess I'm asking, was he interested in you furthering that business, pivoting away from the partnership program and into this? Uh, what, 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 what sort of input did he have into the decision? And, and how often do you talk to him? Yeah, so I, I don't think he had too much uh, input on that aspect. I mean, um, a lot of it was all me. I mean, obviously I come from the finance space. Um, it was my original idea that I had uh, when I first started an Investicard. Um, his team was there to, to support me. They got some smart people that work on their team, obviously. You know, he runs several businesses, 60 or 70 different businesses. So, and, uh, you know, I work a lot more with his, uh, with his mergers and acquisition team that I started with. And um, uh, great guys. Uh, that they've helped me get to this point where I'm at, and they helped me in many different ways. Uh, you know, 
listen, he, he runs a lot of businesses, so I don't get a lot of time to speak to him. And, uh, but, um, you know, you know, the, the, the times that I do, I think, uh, he's lent a lot of his knowledge. So, uh, but, um, they're there, you know, to support us a hundred percent. So I'm still, I'm still really impressed that, that you, uh, were able to have him team up and, uh, and that, that, that's really a big win for you. So uh, I know I congratulated you on that a year ago, but I'm still impressed by that. JG wants to know, do you accept complete sets? Um, if they're graded, I mean, obviously, you know, we looked at a few, um, you know, it could be, let's say I've looked at an 86 FLIR set or, you know, a complete graded sets. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, no. good. Easy answer. Hits and Chicks says that you're a legend. I think you know you know Hits and do you know who that is? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that. I don't know about legend, but Jordan, way to go. Yeah, Jordan, always always good. And Jordan's uh, Jordan's uh, becoming a legend himself. Dave says, is there a fee per card when the initial loan is made, or is there one fee for the loan initiation? I don't. Is there a fee per card? Uh, there, you know, we charge a flat, uh, flat to rate fee. Uh, for the whole entire advance, right? So, uh, just for round numbers, if we advance ten thousand dollars, and the factor rate, let's say, is you know one point one five, then the total payback would be eleven thousand five hundred, no more, no less. Um, and if they pay off early, we actually offer a discount. So if they can pay off within fifty percent of, you know, if if it's a twenty week deal and they pay off within the first ten or twelve weeks, we even offer them a discount. Um, the only other fee that uh, comes out is, you know, at the funding time, there's a, what we call a platform servicing fee that, um, services it, vaults it, insures it and stuff. And that comes out of the funding amount. So, uh, on a $10,000 advance, you know, it might be 2%, $195 come off the top of the advance and that's just one time and then that's it. So, um, so yes, it's just a flat fee for the whole entire advance. And that's typical in all loan arrangement yep. so nothing nothing out of the box there um here's a comment by aih sports he says cards have been historically illiquid now i know that you have some things to say about liquidity in the hobby so i think this is a good jump off point here uh for you to talk a bit about liquidity in the hobby and your thoughts on the importance of it and uh and i'll just let you take it from there yeah i mean uh Illiquidity. I don't know about about that. He, says, I think. he says historically, cards have historically been illiquid, and I think it's just because been. I think what what AIH Sports means, and I of course I don't. I'm not in his or her head, but I'm guessing it's simply that you know before the internet, uh, unless you were going to card shows or walked into a card shop and sold your cards for fifty percent of their value, they were somewhat illiquid. Now in today's world. You know, most people can get an eBay account, a ComC account, a MySlabs account, whatever it is, and buy, sell their cards on there. We now have many more social media platforms that you can meet people and make trades on or buy, sell, Twitter, Instagram, sure. um, Facebook, right? All the Facebook groups. So, um, but, but really, and even moving a high-end card, there are steps you have to go through but there are auction houses that you can consign to who will sell for you, or you can go ahead and do it yourself. So um, all that said, I believe what AIH might be saying is that you are, you, are, you are adding, you are adding another option of liquidity now for, for card owners. Yeah. I think, you know, um, the way I saw it and, and, 
you know, be, me going to so many shows and looking from afar and seeing it's a serious issue, right? Guys are forced to sell or forced to trade because there's, they're card rich. They've got too much, too much money tied up in cards and there was really no other alternatives. Now, our, there are a few other companies, you know, that uh, have been in the space that have been doing it for quite some time, but they haven't really marketed it and advertised it, you know, to, to the masses like we've been doing the last seven or eight months. Um, I think, you know, whenever you're talking about, you know, whether it's $1,000 cards or 5000 or ten, twenty thousand, dollars $30,000 cards, there needs to be another option, just like you have with other assets, right? Whether it's your house, you have you have liquidity options, right? Taking out a loan against against your house, uh, whether it's art, um, whether it's you know your car, uh, whether it's now we see it with NFTs and you know crypto and stuff. So um, and that's that's you know growing and growing each and every day on on, on the crypto market in terms of lending or borrowing against. Um, so you know we just talked about sports cards being a real asset. There should be a liquidity option. And um, another alternative to, okay, I don't want to sell my card and I'm not looking to trade it, but it's worth $30,000, right? And I'd really like to buy this other card. Um, and before there was really no, no alternatives, nothing. You either sold it or traded it, that's it, right? Or, you know, you held on to that card and didn't make the next play and you missed out on the opportunity. Now with our service, you know, I think I believe we've created this alternative. So, and uh, we do it in a fast, you know, in a fast way. So, uh, provides a lot of value. Great, great. Let's go to Junk Wax Pack. Says uh, hello to us. Uh, what's a better show? I can't answer this, but Eddie, what's a better show? Philadelphia or Dallas? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not in Philly this weekend, so I can't answer that. Can't be in. You know, I wish I could be in two places at one time. Um, we're working on that. We're, we're in the midst of hiring some national sales directors on the East Coast and West Coast um, as we start to scale this thing. We want to be in as many shows as we can, especially over the next 12 or 18 months as we scale this. Uh, Dallas has always been a great show. And when during the pandemic, it was one of the only shows out there. And uh, they do a great job in Dallas. Um, you know, it's a different market. It's a different market. I, I, I have done the Philly show before uh, about uh, about a year ago. Market was different back then, so I can't really gauge it right now. Uh, but the Dallas market seems to be always good. You, you're always going to get a full marketplace floor, and that's one of the things that Kyle, the promoter over there, really stresses. You know, he runs a baseball card show, a, a, a show. It's not memorabilia. It's not autographs. It's straight sports cards, base uh, sports card show, old school, but in a big way, and that's what he. Uh, keeps it. That's that's how he keeps it. And I think that's how he separates himself from a lot of other shows. Because when you walk on that marketplace floor in Dallas, it ain't like no other. It really is. It's and uh, you spend three days here, um, and I think that's you know at least my opinion on you know I I can only compare it to one Philly show. You know I'll take the Dallas show any day of the week for right now. But no disrespect to those guys out in Philly because it was a really well-run show and I can't wait to get out there again to to do it but we just gotta gotta get in a, another team so yeah you've really just validated my desire to go to a Dallas show because I like a card show that is about cards yeah not you know I don't hey I love the national and I love seeing all the museum pieces that, that they that are on display there the memorabilia and everything else but I I love a card show so I'm on the same page as you with that for sure 
Uh, okay, let's. Uh, uh, Tim Tim at Slabstrong um, wants to know, Eddie, will you finance our dinner in Vegas? <laughs> uh, you know, it depends on where we go. You know, we gotta yeah. you know gotta have some limit. Gotta see what we have in the budget, right? You know what I mean. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, uh, Slabstrong and Show Your Slabs and a lot of those guys out there. Hopefully, we get an opportunity to you know to go out and uh, yeah grab some good dinner and. Uh, that's what it's all about, right? Networking right. and meeting some of the guys, and those are the things that we uh, that we enjoy. Even though we're out here on the road, um, you build relationships with people. Guys like you know Slabstrong and and Corey over there at Show Your Slabs. They're out there grinding, building their businesses, and uh, you know uh, we, we've. It's almost like a you know great family, right? So it's good stuff. And and then there's the the clubhouse uh, aspect of it all too. You've been active on Clubhouse for the last several months, so yeah, you, it, it is a legitimate platform to build relationships. I know you've done a good job at that. Uh, here's a comment, Bob's big boy. I'm just going to read this. I think it's interesting. It says it's great that cards can be treated like real assets for loans and leverage. It only helps it gain respect in other sectors. Can also be used as a hedge against being over leveraged, risk reduction. Any uh, any response or comments on this uh, on this point that uh, Bob's big boy makes? Respect after sectors can, uh, can also be used against hedge against being over leveraged and risk. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that. And um, you know, I think um, you know we talked about this a little bit ago. You know, utilizing the the assets that you have, the cards that you have, you know, to put into other opportunities that come about and opportunities come about. And you've got to be able to pull the trigger on it, you know, fast, make a decision on it, whether it's getting into another car that you can maybe flip right away, or maybe it's another revenue opportunity that you have in another business. So being able to be in a position where you can leverage it um, and, and being able to do it fast, I think is key. So, um, yeah, it's great. Um, we would have never thought, I would have never thought that I would have been in this business you know, being able to lend against sports cards, if you asked me 10 years ago or, you know, or whatever, um, I was in the business of lending uh, to small businesses and helping them grow. And now we're doing uh, almost the same with guys that are investing in and in collecting sports cards. Because let me uh, state that this is not just for the investor, but also for the collector, right? The guy who has a collection wants to hold his cards maybe for the next five years, 10 years. Situations come up, right? And he has a passion for those vintage cards or those LeBron cards or those Jordan cards. And he doesn't want to um, get rid of them. And I run into this situation a lot where, you know, people are, you know, they're the toughest thing to do is to get a guy to sell his cards, right? Because he's so, what's the word that I'm looking for, Jeremy? He's attached. Attached. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's attached to those cards. So I think our service really bodes well with with those guys because they get to keep their cards and if a guy needs 40,000 to pay for the 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 um you know his uh you know his daughter's wedding or something like that or you know he wants to entertain you know investing in crypto or whatever it might be you know he can do so uh with you know with the leverage from his cards so a lot of collectors I, I'm surprised that I look at that and I ask and I, I speak to everyone. I say, are you a collector? Or are you an investor? Like, tell me about, you know, your situation. And, and I ask them, you know, the need for the funds. And, 
and what the plan is for the funds, right? We want to make sure that, you know, that they're utilizing the money and they have opportunities, you know, not just that they're going to take the money and go to Vegas with it, right? That's not what it's used for, right? That's not the right thing. So if you have a use for it, if there's an opportunity, you have a use for it, then our service, the Sports Card Advance, works. It works perfect, but not to take the money and, you know, and go out and buy a brand new car. So let's say they do take the money and go to Vegas or buy a brand new car, a depreciating asset, um, and then they don't make their, their payments to invest a card. What, what's the process like for you to kind of foreclose on, on one of these um, deals? I don't know if I would use the word foreclose. That's kind of scary. Um, uh, and, we don't, and, and you know what? I've said this for many years in the finance. I don't like to use the word default, right? Um, you know, we haven't seen much of that. And knock on wood, um, I think um, if someone does run into a situation and they can't make their weekly payments, hopefully they're going to be communicating with us. Um, if they miss a certain amount of payments in a row, then yes, notifications go out, miss payments. Um, we can take payments and move it to the back of the term. Maybe there's a situation that they're in, you know, they've lost their job or, or what have you. Um, if they don't want to make any more payments, then we would then just move the card into liquidation and sell the card. That happens, you know, pretty quickly. Um, if, you know, the worst case scenario is if someone misses payments and they're not communicating and they ghost you and they don't respond to, you know, emails or phone calls um, for a couple of weeks, then we know what's it we know what situation we're in. The cards then just move to liquidation. And along the way, they, they continuously get you know emails notifying of, of the process. Even though they may not be communicating with us, they get email notifications that go out and tell them what's happening. Um, but uh, haven't had too much of that, Jeremy, knock on wood. Um, and and uh, I think uh, that's really where we're seeing a lot of success. We're just not seeing, we're dealing with, uh, like I said, collectors and investors that want to keep their cards and uh, there are, you know, a lot of good cards coming through, so they don't want to lose them. But situations do come up, and we'll handle handle those on a case by case basis. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that, you know, the 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 owner of the cards, if the balance gets paid off, and if he has an opportunity to get those cards back, we want to make sure that that that's the end result. So, it's a nice uh, it's a nice position to take for sure. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit. T dot has I think this is a fun question says, what do you estimate the total card value of all cards in all four major sports combined to be? I mean, how, where do you even start with that? But have you have you thought about that? Oh, but I'll tell you what, well, I mean, you know, in terms of the sports card world, they, you know, they, we look at, you know, the next three or four or five years and project it to be somewhere in that, you know, 50 to 50 billion dollar market that's what they say right in terms of sports cards in general uh but it's a tough number to look at i mean listen it's a of all four major sports combined i mean you know i guess you could somehow come up with a number if you go on to some of these platforms and total a number together but um wherever it's at right now um it should you know continuously go up right in the next three years so i think we're in the infancy of the the hobby, I, I really do. I mean, we're we're just getting started here. So, um, and we've had some you know ups and downs, and we saw you know some changes through the pandemic, and then coming out of the coming out of it where we're at right now, and changes on the low end market and where the base market has that you know the that boat has sailed right. 
that that market has totally crashed uh, to a certain extent, right? Let's call it what it is. It has crashed, and uh, and hopefully it'll find itself. Um, there's a lot of slabs still coming onto the market, and maybe there's a way to you know um, utilize all those slabs to bring new hobbyists into the market. I think someone coming in and being able to buy that $10 slab or that $30 slab of their favorite player, be it Trey Young or Luca or a seventh year Michael Jordan card. I was uh, in front of, uh, in Dallas, uh, the guy was set up, He and I'm not exaggerating here, they must have had four or 5,000 slabs in boxes, $10. All slabs, 10 and $15, one of the busiest boots in Dallas. And I looked at it from afar and I said, that's, that's how you do it. You know, that's how, that's how you get rid of them. Put those slabs into, you know, new hobbyist hands, right? Let them buy that $20 slab and then learn how to flip up from there. So, um, uh, all good things, I think, uh, from what, from what I'm seeing in, in, in the market, even though the low end market has, uh, collapsed, I think we'll come out of it. And I think, um, We'll find a way to, um, you know, to turn those negatives into a positive by, you know, like I said, putting them into young people's hands, more affordable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said, you know, the low end markets collapse. I, I think what we've seen is that a lot of people. The base market, I should say. The base market. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. The base market. And, and, you know, I know PSA, uh, they, when they kind of first announced their backlog, it was over 12 million cards. They're under 6 million now. I believe there are five and a half or so million cards in backlog. Well, that's still five and a half million more slabs that are going to get pushed out into the market. Sure. If we assume that a large percentage of those are, you know, base, prism base and silvers and that sort of thing, there could be a little bit more adjusting to be done uh, with those sorts of cards. But... I don't think that that impact. I'm not saying you're saying this, but I don't think that that impacts the like you said the the one of a kind, not just the one of a kind, but the truly um, the cards that, that lots of collectors are always after, whether it's a serial serially numbered or a low pop high grade card, those sorts of things. Lots of health left in cards like that. Uh, Kamikaze took a stab at it and said maybe the overall hobby is worth ten billion dollars. I think it's a lot higher than that. I mean, I just know that I get an email every day from Card Ladder telling me the market cap of the cards on their platform, and it's coming up on seven billion, and that's just the cards on their platform. Sure. So I think it's a I think it's a lot higher than than ten billion, but uh, anybody's guess is is good at this point. Faxake says uh, thanks for the show. Well, that's for you and me, Eddie. So thanks for tuning in, Faxakes. Appreciate it. And uh, Anthony George uh, says. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to go to Anthony's comment here. Uh, just to you, Eddie, he said no disrespect intended when he used the word pawn. I think it's nice that you clarified that, Anthony. Thank you very much. Soccer card says Philly show was absolutely packed today, shoulder to shoulder. Philly has a lot of vintage baseball compared to Dallas. Tyler says that Philly show is predominantly vintage and Dallas is the opposite. I'm a vintage guy, so I prefer Philly. That makes sense, right? Right, Eddie? I mean, and if you have to decide, if you're looking to decide, am I going to go to Dallas or Philly? I think you just got your answer here tonight, knowing that if if what we're hearing from these people in the chat is, is technically correct, if you're a modern guy, go to Dallas. If you're a vintage guy, go to Philly. I'm, I'm both. I still am going to go to a Dallas show probably next for a new show for me. 
Um, I also want to go to the Wisconsin Dells show next time they host that one. But in any event, uh, I want to go to them all, though, Eddie. I want to go to all of them, don't you? Yeah, I mean, going to shows is fun. It's you know a lot of work, though, right? A lot of work, um, especially you know during the pandemic. And now it's <laughs> it's a little bit easier. Um, hopefully, we'll come out of this um, real soon. Um, and but yeah, a lot, lot of fun going to shows. Um, would love to have been uh, at both shows this weekend. So, but yes, a lot of vintage in Philly, and we talked about this earlier. I think there's a lot of opportunity in raw vintage and being able to find, go out and buy raw vintage and get them graded, whether you send them through SGC or PSA. And even if you're getting low grades back, I think there's a lot of value. There's so much vintage cards out there, not only in baseball, but especially in basketball and, and, and in football. So there are some opportunities to go and buy vintage, get them graded, and look for some nice returns because uh, it doesn't have it doesn't have to be just the rookie cards. It doesn't have to be just a rookie of Willie Mays or Hank Aaron or Reggie Jackson or Nolan Ryan. Now I'm seeing even like even that like second, third, fourth, fifth years if they're clean cards, you know, and and what, even if it's a mid grade card, um, you're still adding a lot of value to that card by getting it graded. So I just wanted to add that out there because I've been thinking about you know trying to turn up the notch on buying vintage cards and and you know getting them graded and stuff so good good we'll go through some more comments here kevin says philly was packed today sold some vintage phillies cards to get a future watch nathan mckinnon see that's hockey eddie hockey's not dead come on right yeah i like like to i like to see that when people are moving out of baseball and into hockey that's right up my alley and that's a great card nathan mckinnon speaking of hockey my calgary flames are up three to two on colorado now thank you troy for keeping me posted. I definitely appreciate it. And Troy goes on to say 10 billion is way too low as an estimate. Jeremy alone has uh, a 25 million to value his Crosby collection. Yeah. Uh, no, I, no, I do not. Uh, not even a 10th of that, but thank you, Troy, for the vote of confidence. And maybe one day we will get there. Benny Cromwell, glad to have you as always, and that you're enjoying, appreciate that very much. And uh, Dave says, nothing wrong with pawn shops. In many ways, you are in better shape pawning your TV than taking out a loan. TV loss is a one-time effect. <laughs> All right, fair, fair enough. So you were mentioning that, uh, oh, before we do that, TDOT says, don't sleep on hockey. And, you know, hockey is, um, if you're watching hockey and certain cards, certain, certain players, of course, the Ovechkins, the Crosbys, the Gretzkys, the Mary Lemieux's, They've been making moves lately. A lot of people are wishing they got in a few months ago. Definitely. I think there's still room to grow, but I'm probably biased because it's my favorite sport to collect, but I do touch on all, all the sports. So um, let's go on. You mentioned uh, something about rebranding or maybe some new, uh, something new going on there. What, what did you want to talk about there, Eddie? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're going to uh, probably launch that at the Mint Collective in Vegas. Um, you know, we've been focused on the finance side of the business and, you know, the sports card advance now for the last seven or eight months. Um, and we're going to continue to focus in on that um, and sort of separate that away from the Investicard brand. We're, we're rebranding to a brand new name. Um, a brand, a uh, brand new name. Investicard is, is going to be done. So, yeah, no, Investicard is still be around. You know, Investicard, you know, has got a really good following. Investicard will stay as the marketing company. Uh, we're still, you know, out there generating, you know, deals and deal flow for 
the, the, the new brand and uh, you know who knows maybe Investacard starts to get into maybe some other areas maybe we start our shows again or, or what have you but it's going to be separated away from like the finance but um, you know it still see Investacard at shows set up and so on and so forth uh, promoting the hobby just like we have been uh, but we are rebranding we're excited about that we're going to announce that name you know at uh, the uh, the Vegas show coming up uh, we we got a good we have a booth there and we're excited got some some really uh, some good things happening I think at our company and obviously we're looking to scale the business and uh, you know bring on investors and and really you know put the pedal to the metal and you know try and grow this thing out so you're you're not giving up the we are live uh, thing are you no we're not that'll stay there you know on Investacard yeah so uh, we're not going to give up on uh, we are alive but i think you know se separating the the finance from away from the we are alive not always you know a guy who has got you know a uh you know hundred thousand dollar card or three hundred thousand dollar card or what have you uh may not be always you know looking for the we are live from investacard so uh separating that and um I think it, you know you know it's going to be a good thing. We've been you know our max advance amount has been a hundred thousand, but we're going to uh, look to increase that uh, to you know between three and four hundred thousand. I think um, there's a need for that within the market, not only for someone that's looking for you know to get liquid for twenty k, but someone that can get liquid instantly for three hundred or four hundred k. That might move the needle for for some of these you know high end collectors or investors out there. So. Okay, well, good luck with the rebrand. I'll see you at the uh, at the Mint Collective at yeah. the end of the month here in Las Vegas. I'm going to be there for the the full show and and event. So excited about that, and I'm I'm interested in what this new uh, brand is going to be that you're you'll be launching there. So I wish you all the best with that. Um, Kevin asks, have you done any deals, any advances on any hockey cards yet? Uh sure. Yeah, Connor McDavid. Um, you know, a few Wayne Gretzky cards. You know, always good to take in Wayne Gretzky, um, uh, Ovechkin, a couple of Ovechkin cards. So the key, key hockey cards, yeah. So uh, we're not shy. Uh, we show all types of love for, you know, for hockey, especially Gretzky. I mean, you can't go wrong investing in Gretzky. No, you can't. No. You, 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 I agree with that 100%. Uh, Trevor Gates lets us know that uh, Chris Sewell, who is the baseball card collector investor dealer on YouTube, is stockpiling hockey, soccer, and cricket expecting card interest to increase? I mean, it seems to me though, like soccer interest has increased. It, it soccer has overtaken hockey as the fourth most transacted sport in the hobby. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this comment? Like, what, what what's your position on somebody out there stockpiling hockey, cricket, and soccer for that for that matter? smart i mean listen you know i mean obviously market's been down on that for quite some time so um but i think it's a smart play um soccer i mean I, you know we've seen an increase in soccer over the last probably year or so right and you know people jump in and they jump out but you know now the hype is is starting back up again we're what five six months away from maybe the world cup um we're pretty aggressive on soccer uh, cards right now our portfolio we're looking to take in soccer I think it's a good play uh, we did a deal this weekend did an advance on a really big soccer card Erling Herlan 
Super Fractor Gold, one of one, I think it is. It, it, you know, it, uh, you know, checked all the boxes, right? And that was a card there that there was no way he was selling at this time, right? There was no reason for him to sell it. So, um, and um, so soccer, I think, yeah, has it overcome, you know, hockey in terms of, you know, sales? Yeah, absolutely, but um, maybe not in terms of, you know, people still, I think there's still people that rate hockey as the third sport, right? You got, you know, baseball, football, or as the fourth one, right? Uh, for me, at least, it's hockey as number four, so. I'm glad to hear that. It certainly is. Well, for me, it's probably, I mean, I'm, I'm a realist, though. I understand that basketball is certainly the, the number one in our hobby, right? It was baseball forever. Now it's now it's basketball. Yeah. Followed by, I, I think baseball still got to be there. And then you've got football and then hockey, soccer comes sure. after that. And um, I'm, there was a comment we got quite a while ago from Skeppy. I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, and it, I just want to get your thoughts on this. It's a really good question. He says, as older collectors age and pass on, many high quality raw cards from their collections will enter the market. How do you see this impacting the vintage market? And older collectors age and pass on, many quality raw cards of their collectors will enter the market. How do you impacting the vintage market yeah i mean i think you know um you know it's a good point right how you know how's that gonna look like over the next three five ten ten years and fifteen you know uh there are a lot of older collectors that uh, eventually they'll pass on and, and those cards will move down um with those kids will they have an interest in the hobby right we see it i see that a lot right People who come to us with collections or what have you, where oh my dad collected and I don't know anything about it, and oh my god I can't believe it's worth thirty thousand. Are you kidding me? And they're they're quick to sell, right? Um, but maybe you know maybe we will start to see more people that you know are you know can take over the collection and maybe finally get those cards graded because a lot of older collectors really didn't like grading right they weren't into the whole grading thing so um hopefully their kids who take them over are going to keep the cards within the hobby and will go and get them graded increase the value of them but that's a really good point i never really thought about that but i think it could we could see a, a big influx of cards vintage cards over the next 10 years hit the market right raw hit the market and really good stuff too as well right uh, whether it's Mickey Mantles of the world or whether it's, you know, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's of the world or Wayne Gretzky's or Gordie Howe's or what have you that are sitting out there that are raw. I mean, uh, something to think about. It, it definitely is some, something to consider. Um, I don't know the answer to this or I, I don't know what the impact will be. Uh, it depends where the hobby's at as these cards make their way into the hobby, and it really depends yeah. how many there how many there truly are, and and the frequency with which they they hit the market, and will they be graded? And tough tough to say. It's tough to say. Sometimes we we I think sometimes we think that all the cards are out there and are graded already, but I, I you know I don't think that that's the case. So I think Skeppy has has a point here, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the next. 10, 15 years go as far as vintage, the effect on vintage. Uh, Dave says, if you believe card collecting goes global, then basketball and soccer are the plays. I think that's a fair comment. 
Uh, Darren says, can't wait to see how the market reacts to the World Cup. I think the market is already reacting to the World Cup. I think there's an element of being baked into values, just like, you know, just like Luca's got a se several championships baked into his values already. I think soccer has the World Cup baked in or the, the fact that it's coming is already causing people to get excited. And more and more people are already thinking that they're ahead of the curve by getting into soccer today when I think there's a lot of people that feel that same way. So we'll see. Time will tell how much more hype there will be leading up to the World Cup uh, as it happens. Uh, does that make sense to you, Eddie? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I've been seeing it, like I said, for the, like the last year uh, with in terms of people looking ahead to the World Cup and stuff. Um, but I think there's still some room to, to, you know, there's still some meat on the bone as we approach the World Cup. Because remember... This is the first World Cup where the hobby's really been at the at the height, right? It's previous World Cups, the hobby was nowhere near where it's at right now. So this is the first true test, and World Cup is a you know it's a it goes on for a long time. So um, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be unreal. I really do. I mean, I, I really do think it's going to be great for the market, and I think we're going to see a huge huge spike across the board on on soccer during the World Cup. Yeah, you're, you're probably right on that. Uh, Joe Perot said, Eddie says, Eddie is steady, calming, and a broad, and broad perspectives. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Joe, for the, for the comment. T-Dot is saying that this is the best sports card show. Thank you to a good show. Is a good, oh, the key to a good show is a balance of comment and guest interaction. Uh, thank you, T-Dot. Very nice, very nice. Here, what does Colin say? Colin knows vintage and vin he knows a lot of vintage collectors and older collectors. He says, older collectors' collections have been available for the last 20 years. Nothing new. Vintage will disappear in 15 years. 50s to 60s, then 70s to 80s will be big. Oh. Very interesting. And the Flames Avalanche game is tied at 3-3. Thank you, Troy. All right. Okay, Eddie, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Anything else about Investicard that's going on or uh, or the shows that you've been to? Or you want to you shout out your team, anybody you've seen at the show uh, this, this weekend? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, um, I think we're we're at the very infancy of, of our, what we're doing here at Investicard and, and, and the Sports Card Advance. Uh, we're, we're doing a lot on the technology side. We've got some exciting stuff we're doing on the technology side. Uh, to make the service even even more faster, um, and as we move along, you know, not only are we going to be maybe lending against just sports cards, but might be delving into you know other things as well. Uh, we're looking at uh, you know we're look just like anyone else. We're looking at the NFT market. Uh, we've got some ideas to uh, on the NFT side uh, to offer even extra value if you become a sports card advanced customer to where if you've got a Wayne Gretzky graded PSA 7 uh, that you take an advance on, uh, we can mint that card for you and add some value to that card, a, a one of one, let's say, for yourself uh, on a marketplace. So these are some of the things that we're looking at you know, on our side as we, as we evolve, right? And we, uh, and we grow this thing out. So uh, the focus for right now, though, is sports cards. Um, uh, as we start to grow this thing and we delve into other areas, I think, you know, it could just be, we're just looking for many different added values to, you know, for our customers to come on board. So, um, but um, yeah, we've got, you know, a whole schedule of shows, 
it's always great seeing all the, the other companies out here at shows, um, networking, and I think that's where the, the key is to, to grow in your brand. If you're if you're in the sports card world and you're looking to grow, and, and um, I think going to shows is a key thing, and, and making contacts and meeting people, and um, I think that's really been a big part of how we grew this thing here at Investacard. Um, I think uh, you know our team has done an unbelievable job. Shout out to Canacar, uh, always on the road with me right there. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the team at Investacard. JD and, and his hard work that he puts in uh, on the technology side. Uh, shout out to uh, you know our current investors that we have giving us the faith to, to grow this thing and, and, and the new ones that are going to be coming on board real soon here. So uh, we got some exciting news coming up. So uh, we've been working hard on it and uh, hopefully you know if anyone's out there that wants to try the service and uh, all you got to do is send us a DM on Instagram or you know send us an email. Uh, we'll be glad to jump on the phone with you and take you through the whole process and uh, and walk you through it. So um, that's pretty much it from my side. I know that on uh, on your side you've got some exciting stuff going on. I, I've seen the show and uh, and the uh, the new venture that you're in, um, and I can't wait to uh, you know to to go on there and you know and try out the service myself. So. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. It's on the ticker right now, Trade Safe, and uh, I, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that. I mean, you're you're out and about talking to people. Um, what do you think about about our service that we did launch? As myself, there's seven of us in in the business, and uh, our our founder is Steve Foley, and um, you know, it's a it's a service to allow people to who might meet on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, and you don't know each other, maybe you don't trust each other, you likely don't to have a middleman service to make trading a lot safer. Um, what are your thoughts? Are you, I mean, I appreciate you wishing us well, but uh, do you uh, do you think it makes sense? Do you think that there's a need for it? And and I'll ask you, can I count on you when someone, you know, gives you, I saw, I've seen some recent stories actually just on, just in the last couple of days where people got ripped off doing deals with people they didn't know and our service would have, would have saved them on that. So. I uh, ask we can count on you to let people know about it and uh, just get your general thoughts. Yeah, I mean, any anytime again, you add you know added value, um, people want to feel secure, right, with who they're doing business with. And nowadays on social media, it runs rampant. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of foolishness going on and and, and stuff, uh, you know, online and and um, you know, all it takes is one time. So I think the more that you can offer someone. Uh, some type of security and and peace of mind, and I think that's what the service that you're providing there, right? The peace of mind. Yeah. Um, a little bit like, you know, what eBay's doing on their side right now with their whole, you know, ver, you know, uh, authenticating, you know, like the raw cards. Um, I think that's a good thing for the hobby. But, um, yeah, I mean, someone who you've never done business with, um, it's pretty scary nowadays, right? Who, who do you send first or do you pay first, or do I want to get the card first, and so on and so forth? And you sort of bridge that gap, right? You bridge that gap, and I think there's a need for it out there, um, and it's unique and it's innovative, right? Um, you're putting two, you're matching two people up together uh, to provide a service. Um, so uh, I think you're going to do real well at it. I've spoken to Steve; um, he's actually local. He's he's right in my area. Yeah, I think he's Florida. like a few minutes from my office. So. Uh, we talked about getting together and seeing how we can collaborate and uh, maybe somewhere down the line there's ways to collaborate and, and sort of integrate the trade safe with you know 
you know, the sports card advance platform in some capacity, right? Um, to, to monetize something there. So excited yeah. about maybe discussing some of those opportunities with Steve. Yeah, I, I would recommend that uh, that he has that discussion with you. I think it's important, and the more that the more alliances we have out there, uh, the more reach we'll have, the more people we can protect yeah. from deals going bad. So that's really our goal is to provide that that value to the hub. I appreciate your support with that, Eddie. I really do, and on behalf of our, of our whole Trade Safe team, uh, we definitely do appreciate that. Uh, Skeppy wants to thank you for your answers tonight, Eddie. Much appreciated. Thank you, Skeppy, for for sharing that with with uh, with our guests tonight. Eddie Siegel from Investicard. Justin Dick says, let's make this hobby scam-proof baby. Yes, that would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? Last question. T-Dot's put this out there a couple times. Do you think that the Magic documentary uh, will boost his cards? The, the documentary, or as Richard says, the TV show that's coming out tomorrow. Are you aware of this Magic show coming out tomorrow? And uh, you think it's going to have a similar effect to what uh, The Last Dance did for Jordan and the Bulls? When he's saying magic, he's talking the Laker. You're talking about the one on HBO. I, let's assume he is. Yeah, yeah. I think. Listen, I've I've seen the the um, um, the clips of it and the trailers and stuff. It looks amazing, right? Great actors in it. Um, I think we're in a different place in the market compared to where we were at when the Jordan documentary came out, right? It worlds apart, right? We were, you know, in in quarantine right it came out in the first month in quarantine right and uh all we could do was buy buy and sell sports cards right from from right. your home and um so uh but will it have an effect i think it will i think you know anything that you know uh that promotes uh sports and and especially big teams like the lakers i think you'll see an influx maybe in some of the cards, whether it's Magic Johnson, whether it's, you know, even some of the guys that are so undervalued, geez, James Worthy, Kareem, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I mean, his cards are still undervalued. Um, and, you know, Magic Johnson uh, and some of the other guys, of course, um, you know, that played on, on those, you know, championship teams. Today I was looking at some Pat Riley rookies, right? Super cheap, right? I mean, just ridiculously cheap. I mean, Pat Riley, one of the greatest coaches. Um, so um, I'm looking forward to watching it. So I think it's going to be a good thing for the for the hobby. A any, you know, anything that you see that's out there that's promoting, you know, documentaries of sports and stuff is good. It's good for the hobby. All right, man. Before I let you go back to the trade night and all that, we're going to run through some more comments and we'll wind this down. Dave French says high grade Larry Bird cards are selling fast this week. Might be connected. Anthony George says, no way it has last dance movement, which I think is a fair comment. Hits and Chick says, trade safe to the moon. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, Richard says, we love Eddie on Clubhouse. That's nice to nice comment there. Thank you, Richard. And I might say, I might say if I, you know, it didn't start out well, right, on Clubhouse. Um, and Richard knows what I'm talking about. Um, it didn't start out well. They created a, a Clubhouse room uh, just about Investicard and who are they? Are, are they real and what they're doing with the whole sports card advance? This was several months ago, and uh, I was able to come on there and, and uh, on that day and you know and uh, sort of explain what we were doing and uh, we turned a, a negative into a positive, right? Um, with with that and there's a lot of good guys on Clubhouse, man. Um, I've, I've gotten some, I've gotten to know several of them, and we spent a lot of time on there, and I think. You know, I, I think it's a great asset. I think uh, 
know, whether you're looking to network or learn uh, or be entertained, um, you guys should check out the Clubhouse Sports Card Rooms. Um, I've also been able to create some business on there. I mean, um, it's not just about, you know, uh, you know, making friends and stuff like that. I have created some business on there. I guess so have you, right? Uh, we've we've uh, I did one of my biggest deals through through meeting someone on Clubhouse. Um, so, uh, but uh, some good guys on there, some really good guys. I enjoy it. It um, at the end of a long business day, being able to go on there and just relax and 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 chat. Um, I think uh, you know is good for me. I think and uh, some of you some of you guys should check it out. Some good guys on there. Wonderful. Yeah. No, it, it for sure is. You know, I think a lot of it has to just do with you know being transparent coming out you know be willing to answer some of the tough questions yeah. getting out in front of things when 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 and if you need to always to, all, all are good strategies to fit into any group especially a sports car community where you know we're very we the collective we are very protective of our hobby and um so for anyone who's a part of it and and, and especially someone who's setting up shop within the hobby and trying to roll out a business or a service it's important to have uh, presence, I think, uh, sure. on social media, elsewhere, and really form those relationships. And it seems like you've done a great job at that. And I'm speaking to the uh, to to Clubhouse specifically there. So, um, okay, Troy says thanks, Eddie, for taking the time tonight to do the live stream. That's very nice, Troy. Thank you. Hits and chicks. That's Jordan says. Let's get Eddie to give us a little music on his way out. Very funny. Rich says. It's not about how it starts, Eddie. It's about how it ends. Very good. Hospon yeah. Adventure, we are live. Yes, we are. Thank you, Junk Wax Packs. Very much appreciate that. Um, okay, Eddie, you are going, I'm guessing you're going to go back out there to trade night and see what's going on or what? Uh, uh, well, are you tired? Almost 11 o'clock. Um, you know, it, it's it, Going to these shows, sometimes it's almost like going to Vegas, right? You, you don't spend a lot of time in a hotel room, right? And there's that, you know, that energy and stuff like that. But, yeah, there's a big trade night going on. Um, there's several of them. And it's funny. There's, you know, the main hotel where the show is, is held. And there's, you know, always, you know, action going on, trade night. And there's a trade night in the room, and you know, in the main room. And then there's a trade night outside in the lobby. However... The show's gotten so big that they sold out of the main hotel and in the hotel right across the street, right, um, has now started their own trade night, right? I walked in the hotel last night. I'm like, are you kidding me? Over here now, the whole two two, two places, you know, packed. So that's how you see it growing. Uh, but maybe, yeah, going to, you know, finish eating and then maybe walk back over there, see, you know, uh, and uh, maybe uh, grab a quick drink and... Uh, see what's going on, speak to a few people. I mean, we're here, right? This is what it's all about. And uh, it's a constant networking and promoting and speaking to people. You never know. Uh, uh, seems like every time I go over there, we get a deal, right? So um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing, you know, what goes on over here. And I think uh, looking forward to the Vegas show, um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know what your feeling is and how, you know what to expect and stuff but i think it's going to be great for the hobby a good networking event i can't wait to get out there and um it's going to be a you know a long three days in vegas and uh i know you're speaking and and you're on, on some of the panels out there are you looking forward to it or 
Oh, I, I can't wait for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly, I think, because, you know, there's going to be the card show aspect, which I'm very excited about, but all the networking and meeting new people, new companies, uh, meeting people I've been conversing with over the past several months online for the first time, looking forward to that. So, yeah, and it's in Las Vegas. That just adds that extra bit of excitement to the whole the whole event. So certainly, I'm certainly looking, looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to just... Listen, I'm going to keep you a couple more minutes here because Joe yeah. asked a good question. He says, "Does I'll let you read it." Does any does Eddie have any thoughts on what themes might come up at the Mint Collective in Vegas? Thoughts on any themes? Um, I don't know what he really means by that. Um, well, you know, there there are there are already there are all the all the signature sessions that do have built-in themes. So I guess. Not necessarily that, but I, you know, I think the main theme is going to be, like you said, it's going to be networking. It's going to be collaboration. It's going to be ways to find synergies between existing entities. I think we're going to meet some new companies in the space there that might kind of introduce themselves there. You're going to be rebranding. So I think there's going to be lots of different things coming out of it. And we're going to get to, uh, to really learn a few things and meet some new people and maybe get a vision into what the future of the hobby could look like. Sure. Perhaps. You know, I think that'll be some interesting stuff, especially from some of the key speakers, right? From some of the key people, um, you know, especially coming from someone like Josh Luber, who, um, you know, can address maybe what what to expect over the next twelve months and from from fanatics, right? Um, and and I think uh, maybe that'll be a you know the main theme of of where are we going to be twelve months from now? And uh, but uh, they've been marketing the event amazingly. And I think it's just all good, you know. It's 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 uh, uh, I think the hobby has needed something like this for quite some time, uh, not just with the card shows, but with education, right? And you know, you've seen me put on some um, breakout sessions or some panels, as as you know, as they call it, uh, at other shows, because I think there needs to be edu you know, education at some of these shows. It's not just you know going to buy and sell, but Let's educate some of the people that are coming into the hobby, and I think some of these shows need to have that more—not just one time a year, you know, at, 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 a, at a show like the Mint Collective. But some of these other shows should learn how to maybe put on some mini sessions, some breakout educational sessions, where they can bring somebody in and and talk about grading, talk about the vintage market, talk about you know maybe some of these how to utilize some of these data platforms to manage your portfolio and and when is the right time to to get out of a card and how how to use a sports card advance the proper way what's the right way to leverage your cards and so on and so forth right how to create more content we can go on and on uh adding more yeah. education and breakout sessions is um is key i think so yeah we're we're, we're growing up into a, a legit industry here not just a bunch of people collecting cards in in, in nine pocket pages anymore it's, uh, it's turning into a legit asset class. And with that comes the need for more structure, I believe, and more events like this. All, all industries have their big trade events with, with the show floor and the breakout sessions. And the main collective is, is uh, making an attempt to, to really grow the hobby in that direction. I think it's a great thing. Where else can you go to you know, meet the CEO or, or the act you know, of, a, of a company, right? Or meet someone like Josh Luber or meet you know a director of you know sales or what have you or um, and uh, you know learn from 
you know, the previous industry that I was in, the finance industry, and going to shows like, you know, Lend360 or Money2020, where I would never have the opportunity to get in front of another CEO to, to have a conversation with or to strategize or to maybe create some type of a partnership with. And I think this, that is what is going to be maybe one of the main themes, you know, of like the Mint Collective. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Alf Godet says, great show. Thank you very much, Alf. We, we appreciate that for sure. All right. Um, you did mention Josh Luber. I just want to mention Josh will be a guest on this show on Wednesday, special night, special episode. So be sure to check that out, guys. Um, Josh Luber. He gets he, to follow me up, right? What's that? Yeah, he's, 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 come, he's following you up. That's yeah. right. Josh Luber, Chief Visionary Officer of Fanatics Trading Cards, will be on this show. Special episode. Hear me again, everybody. Special night this Wednesday at the, I think we're actually going to start about half an hour early, so 9.30 Eastern. Josh Luber will be on with me, and uh, we'll be talking about a lot of stuff. So be sure to uh, tune in to that. And the week after, Chris and Josh, uh, yeah, Chris and Josh from Card Ladder will be joining and then the week after that we've got um oh, oh who's got it's coming up on the ticker right now it's it's slipping my mind here let's see i'll wait for it card ladder march 19th oh yes of course john Wee from center stage app that's one of the apps that you saw at the show today um in action i believe so lots of great stuff coming up tomorrow another tomorrow on collectible live i said at the beginning of the show i'll say it again now Tomorrow on Collectible Live at 7 o'clock Eastern on the Collectible TV YouTube channel, my guest will be Joe Orlando, former president of PSA Collectors Universe, and now the recently named president of Sports at Collectible. So that's pretty exciting. Very excited for that. There's John in the crowd. John, sorry about my, my brain cramp there. Excited to have you on. Check out the Center Stage app on your iPhone uh, store and Android as well. I must okay. say, you know, even because you're having them on your show, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, you know, we're looking for, we're looking to grow and scale over here. And uh, uh, I must say, we we, we, we reached out to uh, Joe Orlando because, uh, you know, we're looking for leadership. We're looking for, you know, a new CEO of our company. And I guess Collectible beat, beat us to the punch right there. And uh, it's funny. And uh, I tell people that story and uh, he chose Collectible over uh, even though I get, didn't get an opportunity to at least speak to him and, you know, pitch him on what we're doing here, um, um, it's good to see that uh, he found a new home and, uh, you know, they're doing some great things over there at Collectible. It seems like uh, they got a pretty good, strong team that they're growing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I really like every, the team over there. I've been working with them for over half a year now and uh, always impressed by Ezra and the team he's built over there. So really, really good stuff, Justin. But yes, we have some heavy hitters coming through sports cards live and collectible live over the next little bit there's card ladder right there chris says can't wait to join can't wait to have you and thanks again to the card ladder team and well really to chris and josh for having steve foley and myself on the crossover last night i'm looking forward to being able to watch that back on the um on there on the card ladder youtube channel uh jordan is jordan's very excited about you right now eddie says we need eddie once a quarter we need more eddie Eddie is the biggest guest this month by far. Oh, appreciate that. Mad respect. We are live on the Sports Card Live. And uh, I got to get on that card ladder show, I think. <laughs> hey, I did. That's not my doing. I'll leave that to you. But listen, Eddie, 
thank you so much for joining. This was this was a great episode, man. We're we're ten minutes short of two hours. It felt like it went by really quick. I appreciate you coming on, sharing what's going on in, at Investicard, sharing your insights into the Dallas show this weekend, and uh, and everything else, man. I mean, now listen, all the best. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Have a good day at the show tomorrow, and uh, leave the last word to you. Then we're done. Yeah, we're not done yet. We got one more day out here in Dallas, so we're gonna. Sunday's usually a big day for us, so if you're still in Dallas and you're watching this, uh, yes, uh, we still got the funds to put out and continue to fund the hobby on day number three. Uh, but we look forward to meeting you and coming to uh, Vegas at the end of the month. Uh, it's going to be a pretty got, got a big rest of the month coming up for us, and uh, we appreciate you having us on the show. And and uh, hopefully, uh, I, I won't be a stranger on the show. Uh, and uh, always a great time and always a, always a great interview. And I want to thank everyone that joined in and watched the whole entire show. If you sat here and listened to the whole show, um, props to you. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you following Investicard and, and supporting us. So thank you. Yeah, you bet, Eddie. Thank you. And everybody, you can follow Eddie and the Investicard crew on Instagram at Investicard. Thank you, Joe. Joe says travel safe. Thanks, Ash. Alf Godet says hit that like button, everybody. Thank you very much. Alf Albert Jones, thanks us for your time. You bet. Thank you, everybody, for joining. I know some people are wondering if there's going to be an after-hour show. One sec, Eddie. People are wondering if there's going to be an after-hour show. There might be. Give me 10 minutes. We'll see if I come back live. I need, I need My wife just got home. I can hear I got to go talk to her. But uh, that's a maybe for now. If not, tomorrow with Joe Orlando on Collectible Live. And then Wednesday, Josh Luber on Sports Cards Live. Saturday, Chris and Josh from Card Ladder on Sports Cards Live. That's it. Eddie, you give us the uh, the outro, and I'm going to end this episode. There we go. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. As always, invest in the best with Investacard. We'll see you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Eddie, hang tight one second. Don't leave yet. Everybody else, good night. We'll see you all soon. Thanks very much. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.